0: this special episode of the auto riff. I try to record while my kids are home because I procrastinated and waited all week to do it. I go on a mini rant to start the history segment and we take a look at this last week in automotive history. And I make another segment because why the heck not? Let's sit down, buckle up and do a fast J-turn into our history segment. I decided I wanted to start breaking the podcast down into kind of running themes. So the next three episodes will be about electric vehicles. The reason for this is that in the short time I've been doing the show, I've noticed the huge wave that is upon us and going to electric automobiles. Whether you like it or not, they are coming. As the infrastructure grows and battery and charging technology gets better, they will become more commonplace. And that's progress. Yes, I love the sound of a gas engine. but. The times, they are a changing, but we have to change with them. Remember in last week's episode when the first automobile driven in Detroit was being driven, then broke down, and the crowd said, Get a horse! Well, it sounds silly now, but at the time, people didn't see a future in the automobile. Where would you get gas? What happens if you run out? These are all questions that we ask now of the electric car, but charging stations will become more plentiful, and it will take time, but it will happen. We as humans, Americans, Europeans, wherever you're from, we push the boundaries. We find new technologies that make life better. And maybe one day, something better than electricity will come along and all the people in their electric cars will mock the new technology. But new things aren't to be feared. We should embrace them. As auto enthusiasts, we should find new ways to make them faster and more fun. So that's enough of my riffing on why. Let's take a look back in time to one of, if not the first, electric automobile. The Morrison Electric Automobile was created by a Scottish-born chemist, William Morrison in 1887. In my research of the first electric car, I'm not sure that this was it, but as far as I can tell, it was one of the first to have a rechargeable battery. Also keep in mind that it was built one year after Benz patented his motor wagon from episode One. The Morrison was built in 1887 and was not very successful, but his second model built in 1890 was. I mean, not by today's standards, he sold 12, but at the time that was a big deal. In 1890, the model had 24 batteries installed into a carriage built by the Shaver Carriage Company. Those 24 batteries were 32 pounds each and took 10 hours to recharge and had a range of about 100 miles. The electric motor made about four horsepower, which if you remember the motor wagon made two at its peak. This was truly the supercar of its time. I say sarcastically. The top speed of this carriage was about twelve miles per hour, which again, supercar territory of its time. I did read a couple articles that said it was around twenty, so I don't twelve to twenty, I'm sure if you're rolling in a car of today wouldn't make much of a difference back then. I'm sure 12 to 20 made a huge difference. Uh, The steering was a rack and pinion system, which I believe I read he created and was driven by a hand wheel, which kind of similar to today's steering wheel the speed, how you chose what speed you were going uh, was done by a system that would cut batteries on and off. I want to say it's called like a regulator. They have now today where it kind of determines how much electricity it draws from the batteries but at the time, it would shut batteries off to go slower and turn batteries on to go faster. One of the Morrisons was actually entered in the first car race in Chicago by his partner, William Sturgis, but the car failed to finish because of the freezing weather that uh, ultimately kind of killed the batteries. Now let's kind of let's take a look at behind the man who made the first electric automobile, William Morrison. Morrison was born in Scotland in 1855, Not to be confused with the William Morrison that was born in 1860 and invented the cotton candy machine, that was a different guy. Our Morrison grew up and went to school in Scotland, attending university and studying chemistry. He then immigrated to the US and ultimately ended up in Des Moines, Iowa in 1880. His interest was never in actually inventing or building an automobile. He grew up with an interest in electricity and batteries and the automobile, the first one being a carriage specifically built for him by the Des Moines Buggy Company was purely a way to showcase his batteries. Morrison was described as a peculiar man who mostly kept to himself, doing experiments in his secret downtown laboratory. He married into his 30s to his first wife, Mary Riley, who was 20 in 1892, so two years after the second electric model came out. They had a son together that died as a toddler. And Mary died shortly after of tuberculosis, which if you don't know was uh, kind of a big killer back then. He remarried again to a woman named Elsie Meyer, who was also 20. That was two months after seeing her photograph that uh, was showed to her, shown to him by her sister. They had two children together: one son that also died, and a daughter that outlived him. William died a very wealthy man in 1927 from his battery business, having never owned one of his own automobiles or even another one. And that is a brief history on a long-forgotten vehicle. Next week, we are going to look at another electric vehicle in history. I'm kind of excited about next week's, and that will be unveiled later in the week on our social media accounts. And now on to this week in automotive history. (music) On this last week in automotive history, we're looking at uh, March 8th through the 14th, starting off with March 8th in 1885. Daumler purchased a stagecoach made by Wilhelm Wimpf and Son on this day. I butchered all of that, I'm sure. With the help of Wilhelm Maybach, Maybach, they adapted it to hold his grandfather clock engine, thereby creating the world's first four-wheeled automobile. It was capable of a top speed of 18 kilometers per hour. On March 9, 1932, Ford built its first V8 vehicle, the Model 18, commonly called the Ford V8. It was the first low-priced, mass-marketed car to have a V8 engine. The 3.6 liter V8 was rated at 65 horsepower when introduced. On March 10th, 1983, the Ford Bronco II was introduced, which was derived from the Ford Ranger pickup truck. I only brought that one up because I remember a friend of mine in high school having a Ford Bronco II, and he always parked next to me in my Dodge Dakota. On March 11th, 1971, Maserati introduced the beautiful Bora supercar, capable of a top speed of 171 miles per hour. On March 12, 1947, the first-ever Ferrari, a Typo 125 Spider Corsa, was completed featuring a V12 engine. They would later make a racing model using the same chassis and running gear, but different bodywork. On March 13, 1920, the Marmon Model 35 successfully met a challenge to lap the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in a stock, fully-equipped sedan at a mile a minute as the Model 34 sedan recorded a lap at 63.2 miles per hour. On March 14th, 1962, General Motors produced its 75 millionth car, a 1962 Pontiac Bonneville convertible. And now on to another new segment because this is my show and I'll do what I want called Riff on the Riff. discussion or a riff on how do we get the younger generations into automobiles then it hit me video games it hit me while i was literally playing the latest forza game on xbox and how my kids immediately took the controller from me and left me watching and wanting to play not angry newer video games like forza gran turismo and project cars among others are getting more and more realistic and becoming more and more like driving the real thing for instance i have a pc that I built and an okay steering wheel where I can play these games that immerse me into a world where I can own a Lamborghini and drive it around a city and race others in similarly priced supercars. My son, for instance, is four, loves Jeeps, and on the Xbox he gets to live out his dream of driving one and foster his love of other models. My daughter, who is seven, similarly, loves Lamborghinis, which I just found out recently, and loves ripping through roads and fields and through fences in a hurricane so what I'm saying is maybe in order to get kids into them we have to do it their way and through a means that they enjoy I intend on changing the oil in my truck and motorcycle in coming weeks as the weather tries its best to start warming up and I hope to bring them outside with me to help but while the weather is cold and they are stuck inside anyways might as well keep encouraging them through a way that they enjoy and that folks is my riff Thank you so much for taking some time out of your week to listen to The Autoriff. I got a listener email this week with another explanation for horsepower and torque. The quote is, horsepower is how fast you hit the wall, torque is how far you take the wall when you hit it. Thank you, Dad. An amazing explanation if I've ever heard one. If you have any comments, suggestions, or stories you'd like to share, please email me at theautoriff@gmail.com at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. All sources used for the material will be in the description as well as links to the show's social media. Thank you for listening again. Everyone drive safe and have a great week.